and learns the Joker, and here we go. Welcome everyone to uh, DJ Tomcat and Mogo's uh, Movie Mayhem, uh, the show where we talk about movies and uh, whatnot. Yes, and whatnot, <laughs> but mainly just <laughs> movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, as you people uh, haven't figured out yet, I am DJ Mogo Morgan Gore. And I'm DJ Tomcat, uh, Tommy Taylor. And this week, we are covering uh, the horror film that came out in 2015, 16 era. Um, uh, it premiered at Sundance in 2015, but was released in theaters in 2016. There we go, yes. The the Witch, or as some of people like to call it, The Vivitch, because yeah. of the two movies <laughs> on there, which is a nice trivia fact. You know, you obviously have to look that up, um, but from what I researched apparently back in those times they didn't really have a uh, spelling for the word w hmm. or which whatnot so they they only had v's so that's why they put it as two v's i guess they didn't have a spelling for w back then yeah i guess so this is directed by robert eggers and if i recall i believe that this is his uh directorial debut and that was with the company uh, A24. Yeah, uh, A24 is probably one of my favorite film production companies today in terms of independent films. Mm-hmm. Uh, you always see them at the major film festivals uh, picking up uh, small movies and releasing them in theaters and uh They've always done like really good quality films. They have, yes. They they actually did a whole lot. I didn't realize there's a whole list of films that um, they apparently that they've apparently done. So if you get if you guys get a chance, take a look at their resume because they've done a lot. Yeah, they did uh, Moonlight, which won uh, Best Picture. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well. Yeah. At first we didn't. They didn't, and then they did. Maybe yeah. I'll remember that <laughs> Academy Award uh, mistake there. So, but yeah, that was a uh, good one. Also, they also did my one of my favorite horror movies was um, the Her- Hereditary. Excuse me. Yes. Oh yeah. So um, and that's kind of how I first really kind of followed them after watching that, and then since then, I kind of um been looking back at their movies and everything, and I've become a fan. So I like their work. Very much. Yeah. Uh, what were your overall impressions of the uh, film? So these kind of films I'm not a particularly fan of, mm-hmm. mainly because I think it's the time period. For me, I think mainly because it's... I don't, I'm not going to say boring. It's not boring. It's yeah. more just, you know, it's more... It's toned down. It's quiet, you know, and the obviously the setting is... Di- the time period is different. You know, a lot of uh, farms and whatnot mm. and that kind of environment. So for those kind of films, me personally, I was never always a fan of them, whether horror or not, because it, I know it's a different time. But just for some reason, it just never always piques my interest. But like I said, that I didn't let that stop me watch, from watching the film, you know. So I kind of, when I went into it, I, you know, reset my mind frame saying, all right, so this is a different time you know, dealing with uh, a witch, per se, and, you know, just see how they deal with it. So the overall opinion, I say, I give it about uh, three out of five stars. Uh, again, with, uh, I guess if you guys have been keeping track, I've been, I gave uh, Star Wars Episode One three out of five, <laughs> and this one as well. So, like, so my overall impressions, it was, I, I wasn't sure what to expect, I guess I should say. Yeah. Because, um, uh, this is not a spoiler, I don't think, but um, if the 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 witch itself, 
she, although the the witch herself was not like entirely in the whole film, her mm. her you know her powers were you know what she was doing, yeah. you know uh, resonated inside the film. So, and you know you just so to give people what is it the plot? Um, there's this family in 1630. They have been outcast by their their town that they were living in. Is that the right word? I guess. Yeah. yeah. So they were sent away. So they were sent to live in the woods. They built a farm there and everything. And then that's when they started getting haunted by this witch. And from there, from that point, you know, it's just a whole uh, kind of spooky stuff happening from and there. Their family is a wife, a father, son and daughter, another son and daughter and a baby. And then from that point, you know, like I said, just random, just stuff happening from being uh, stalked by the witch. And later on, we'll get into spoilers. We'll get into that detail. Yeah. But, um, um, my overall impressions were I uh, saw this about uh, three years ago, and I and so I was rewatching it this week, uh, and this is like a very slow build psychological harm uh, that kind of combines with the supernatural and I am giving it uh, four out of five stars. Uh, you know, I can definitely understand why for some this uh, can be tedious. Uh, there aren't like a lot of like, jump scares per se. The horror comes from the imagery, uh, the acting, and uh, also, you know, like, this is all in Old English, and uh, the director and the screenwriters uh, spent years going through actual documents from that era, uh, and you know, like a lot of the dialogue is taken directly from those documents, uh, and as well was inspired by a bunch of like New England horror uh, folk tales from that era, uh, and you know, like to me, like I really like personally the slow build of like unsettling imagery more so than uh, jump scares. You know, like, I think that, you know, this film is really well done, and it takes a lot of risks that I think really paid off. Yes, I agree with the building part of it. And, you know, like I said, I put myself in a different mindset. So thinking back then... There probably wasn't a lot of jump scares as you know movies have it now. So, like you said, they kind of have to think of it as a you know back in that time era, what they and like you said they researched it, which was very interesting. Which is where they got the dialogue, and how things how they put the movie together, the screenwriter, which which is also a who who also wrote it. Uh, Egg, what's his name? The director uh, Eggers, Robert, Robert Eggers. Eggers. Yes, you know he wrote he wrote it too and did a lot of research. So. I do appreciate him on that fact because if you have to think about it from that time, you know, when he read it, so he really did do the work to put it in that era, you know, to make it authentic as mm. he could, you know. So I think that's sometimes what a lot of people were expecting, you know, a lot of jump scares and everything. But if he, you know, if he did the research and found that there wasn't that much, you gotta have to do that slow build, you know. And I'll, we'll talk about this in the spoiler part, but. The build-up also was good because it, it went with the storyline of how it ended. Yeah. You know what I mean? So when we talk about that, you guys will see what I mean. Yeah. Uh, so uh, shall we get into the cast? The, uh, if I'm saying her name right, is it a Anya? Anya? Anya. Taylor? Joy? As Thomason? Yeah, she. This was her film debut. Actually, there's a lot of debuts with this one. Robert Eggers' directorial debut, and this was her, I should say, film debut in a credited role. And she was blonde in this one. So, if you guys, yep. you guys know her now, for uh, being in Split, and the new film Glass, and also with that upcoming movie, the the New Mutants. 
So um, yeah, so she's building a resume for herself as well. And uh, the father is uh, Ralph Innocent. Yep. Yes. Uh, the father is William. Yeah, um, that, from what I researched, he's been in a, he's been in a, quite a few things like Game of Thrones, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, Star Wars, The Last Jedi, and I think he's coming going to be in that upcoming film, The Boy Two. Yeah. I don't know if you saw that, The Boy, but uh, I have not. Oh, maybe you should see that. Maybe that'll be a film overview. <laughs> yeah. And the mother is also Katie, yeah, Kate Dickey. Uh, she was playing Catherine. She was in Prometheus, but she's she both her and Ralph. They were both born in uh, England, so they but they they seem like they've been in same at least same shows like Game of Thrones and Star Wars, and the rest of it um and the rest of it were the kids, and you know those who played the witch and other characters. Yep, so. and uh, Charlie as Black Philip. Yes, in goat form. the goat form. Yeah, <laughs> which uh, would. <laughs> I guess we could talk about that. The yeah. uh, one of the trivia, couple of the trivia's I like was how impressed they were with this goat, except for Ralph Innocent. Apparently, the goat actually did kind of harm him. There was this mm. feud going on. Not a few. <laughs> I don't want to say there's a feud between a guy and a goat, but um, they uh, according to the director Eggers, you know, the goat was chosen. Um, how should I say? The, the goat was he was kind of untrained, but the th- and then he apparently ran into the actor Ralph Innocent and kind of hurt them. Kind of hurt mm-hmm. him is weird. Uh, he didn't. He didn't. I don't think he stabbed him like the. I don't think he stabbed him, but yeah. he did pump into him, and he and the actor said that he had to do the rest of the film and on painkillers. Wow. Yeah. So. If, um, but the director says, swear to God, he says there was no supernatural thing happening on set. So apparently the goat and the actor just didn't like each other <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> that's so weird. But um, yeah, that, that's a little trivia for you about the goat, Charlie. Also that it was um, shot in like 25 days, 25, 30 days. Yeah. This film. So that's interesting. What did you think of the uh, cast? I have to say, I, I did like... Um, the boy who played Caleb Harvey uh, Scrim Scrimshaw, yeah. he, although he hasn't done anything since then. If you look look him up, um, maybe he's just being in school. Yeah. Who knows if he'll come back to acting? But I think this this wasn't like his first film, but the recognizable film. And like I said, but I I kind of enjoy, I did enjoy his performance. Actually, everyone did a great job. You know what they have as far as my favorites. I'd say he's probably my favorite. Just. For the role he played. Yeah. Uh, I would definitely say this cast did a great job. Old English is Mm. not easy to uh, speak. It's not easy to uh, deliver uh, that dialogue. And I feel like all the actors really did a a great job, uh, especially... uh, Anya Taylor-Joy, uh, Ralph Innocent, and Kate Dickey, along with uh, Harvey Scrimshaw. Uh, they all did a phenomenal job. And uh, going with the acting, uh, you know, like, especially with uh, this type of horror, where it's more psychological than supernatural, no, like you have, uh, like small movements, uh, like facial expressions. No, like those type of cues that can tell the the watcher like how they're feeling. No, even though like they don't say how they're feeling on screen. Right, and that's why I said I think they did a great job of keeping it. You know, in that time era, it was a very different time, obviously, and. They didn't have, you know, the amenities and stuff that we have, and they were very, you know, how should I say, a church, not church going, but Christian family. Yeah. So, you know, so a lot of it, which is also in the film, you know, about God's word, that kind of thing. So, and like you said, the accents. So, with the, that, the, which is very hard, but they did a great job as the performers doing that, especially, you know, with uh, Anya Taylor Joy. If that was her first credited role, you know, so I don't know how old she was, but she's young, so 
you know, with that kind of pressure, especially even Harvey and the two children, you know, those very strong characters to play. Yeah. And whatnot, so. But I did enjoy the cast. So there wasn't anyone I didn't did not like at all. I even liked the goat, so. <laughs> <we're> gonna, <laughs> and the um, actress who played the witch. I, uh, I cannot pronounce her name. Bathsheba Garnett? I believe so. Yes, she... Even though she was not in the film a lot of times, her presence was very scary just just by being there. Yeah. Whatever she was doing, you know, her actions and whatnot. And then you add in, you know, the music, how she was at it. But she, uh, like I said, just for the small role she did as a witch was very powerful. Well, let me ask you, hold on. Uh, have you listened to the soundtrack? I have. All right, what, did you have a favorite song? Ooh, that is uh, really uh, uh, difficult because, like, what a soundtrack does well is uh, blending in. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can pick out, like, the specific uh, singles, but, uh, like, when it really blends in, like, for me, probably one of the uh, best points of the soundtrack was... Uh, using atypical uh, instruments uh, mm -hmm. that you wouldn't normally hear in, uh, like you know, typical like orchestral soundtrack. Uh, right. Yeah. And uh, Mark Corvin uh wrote the uh music, mm -hmm. and uh he's a, a small composer, and uh, he. He's best known for uh, his uh, music on the uh, sci-fi horror cult film uh, Cube uh, back in 1997. And uh, he used um, two instruments in particular, uh, uh, Nickel Harper, uh, that's uh, Swedish, also known as uh, key harp, uh, and uh, it looks like a it's a stringed instrument. Uh, looks like a violin has the body, the neck, uh, but it's strange in like uh, the fretboard, and I'm uh, showing you a uh, picture here. Neat, yeah. Uh, it's <laughs> that's, that's, that it looks like really it's... creates an unsettling strand, and yeah. uh, and uh, he also uses uh, instrument called uh, the waterphone, uh, which is uh, a type of uh, percussion instrument uh, that is basically like a giant uh, metal bowl with water and you use it kind of, you know, like when you put, uh, when you fill glass with water and you put your finger on the rim, mm -hmm. it creates a pitch. Right. Uh, that is the type of instrument that is used here, uh, but on a larger scale uh, with uh, best quality, and this really creates an unsettling sound, and it's used in lots of foreign films. If you uh, like, look up like uh, instruments used in uh, music for horror films, like it's really interesting because they use these atypical instruments to give you this feeling of dread and suspense. Yes, um, go along with that. I have to say my three top favorite three choices, I guess, for the songs were A Witch Stole Sam, um, Here in the Woods, and Caleb's Seduction. Hmm. So if you guys, those are, I don't know why they stood out to me. Those were just uh, how they, how uh, Mark Corvin put it together and the sound and whatnot. Now, obviously, you know, this, this soundtrack is just basically you know, mu instruments, music, you know, throughout the film. Yeah. And whatnot, just horror stuff. So if you're just in the mood to listen to just some kind of horror 
<laughs> horror f- film music, whatnot, just, you know, instrumental, you know, this is a good one to listen to. But those were my top three choices. Like, it's the instruments that are used in there, this, you know, they seem to go good with the horror genre. And so, as you guys know, we are, we're still new with this, and we still have to, um, we're still getting our, how should I say, format together. But right now, we have to take a break because we have to give a shout out to our sponsors because, obviously, as you know, this is going to be uploaded to Edinburgh now and everything. So we have to go and give a little shout out to our sponsors for a couple of minutes. But we will take a break and we will be right back with talking about spoilers for The Witch or The Vivitch. All right. We'll be right back. The It Won't Turn Off podcast is back, and it's better than ever, proving once and for all that this podcast just won't turn off. This time we're trying to settle great video game debates, one theme at a time. Each month a new theme comes around and we fight to determine everything from the best video game monsters to the best Nintendo games ever made. Join us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, or check us out on at IWTO Podcasts on Twitter and Facebook for more episodes, merchandise, and more. It Won't Turn Off, only on the Edinburgh Podcast Network. WFSE is sponsored in part by Quick Fill of Edinburgh, a full and self-service gas station and convenience store, offering American-made fuels from United Refining Company in Warren, Pennsylvania, along with snacks, beverages, grocery items, and other general merchandise. Information is at quickfill.com. Proud to serve the Edinburgh campus, community, and alumni around the world, we're 88.9 WFSE Fighting Scots Radio, continuing a legacy of great college radio with the support of our underwriters, including Bonnell's Auto Group, featuring collision services and auto sales in Erie and Fairview, and auto glass replacement and repair, along with full rod shop services and restoration in Fairview. Information on each service can be found on the web at bonnellsauto.com. All right, guys, welcome back. Thank you for taking that little break with us. Right now, we are going into the segment of... Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Yes, that is our boy Tommy letting you know this is the spoiler alert section of our podcast. And so let's talk about the spoilers of this movie, The Witch. I will start. As I said before, you know, it's about a family who has, who who's uh, banished from their town and they have to stay in the woods. Um, and they built some, then, you know, they had to build a farm and everything out there. Then uh, while the daughter, Thomason, was playing with their baby, her baby brother, s- sister? I yeah. forgot. Baby brother, okay. She, um, the the baby was taken, taken from her while she was watching. And from that point, the family just, the family just kind of goes in a downward spiral with these random things, uh, especially with going into the woods so if you look at it like throughout the whole thing, from my understanding, there was a lot of this had to do with a lot of sin, per se. Yeah. You know what I mean? So there's this these actions seems to be punishment for doing sinful things. The one thing I found interesting was when the mother Catherine was confessing that the baby wasn't her husband's. Yeah, is that right? Yes, because. Um, she had an affair with somebody else, so the baby wasn't his. So the baby was taken, like she said, that was her sin, <laughs> per se. And then um, Caleb, he, he, you know, he was uh, seduced by the witch because yeah. he was becoming a boy of age, 13, 14. He started looking at mainly his sister because there were no, <laughs> no other girls around. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> at that age, he was just, you know, giving it to his lust and whatnot. So when he was taken by the witch he was taken by seduction which was a sin and so that was his punishment uh the father's punishment what was his name william well yeah i think his like first sin was leaving the community yeah behind that kind of thing so so that's so i found that very interesting yeah and i also found like uh there are like small signs that kind of uh build up uh, so you have the uh, abduction of the baby, mm-hmm. uh, the blood egg from the hen. And one thing that I noticed is with kind of these uh, signs uh, that 
No, like there's usually like a lot of um, blood involved. One of the most haunting scenes in my mind was uh, seeing the witch. I uh, think was she was like mashing. I think like cranberries. No. Wait. <laughs> No, she was not mashing cranberries. Well, she, she was, was mashing the baby. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> she was mashing the baby. That's how um, do you remember so if you guys okay. so when she so when she takes the baby, um, there's a scene where, you know, she brings the knife to it. You you could tell that she's I thought at first she was just taking blood. Yeah. Which she was, but I didn't think she was gonna kill the baby. But yeah, so she you don't see that, but you just see you get the indication that she took the baby's blood, but then she was she had this stick that she was mashing inside of a, a uh, what is it a, a, uh, button? Yes, uh, but yes, thank you. And she was mashing that, but that was the baby because at the end you see all these kind of chunks that she was oh, washing yeah. herself with. Uh, by the looks... way, this is an unrated movie. Uh, <laughs> we probably should mention that at yeah. the beginning. Uh, and I did not, they don't, they, the cram, cranberries, (laughs) well, I thought when, uh, cranberries, uh, were not, uh, so I apologize. No, yeah, it was the, I mean, you, it's indicated. You don't. You know. Yeah. You actually don't see how that kind of graphic. But yes, yeah. Yeah. So uh, anyway, going back to uh, you have the blood egg from the hen. Mm-hmm. You have the uh, creepy rabbit uh, when uh, William and Caleb go out into the woods. You have, you know, like the father is taking time to uh, like aim the rifle and this was back in 1630 uh when most of the rifles i think were uh, flintlock uh i'm not a historian don't quote me on that uh but you have this uh rabbit uh that you see and like it's like staring at you and you know like this is something that I'll get into a little bit later, but you have, like, these long takes of animals, and, like, you see, like, their eyes, uh, like, kind of going to sideways, but still looking at uh, the screen. Uh, so I found that to be really well done. And, you know, like, in general, with the cinematography, you have these brutal long takes uh where you no know, it sometimes it's still sometimes it's moving uh but there aren't a lot of quick cuts which goes which really helps with the psychological horror side of this film because like it builds tension yes that's true like you know people wouldn't think like a rabbit would be scary but yeah. you know how you said you know taking the long takes zooming in and just looking at their face, adding in music, anything could look scary <laughs> when doing yeah. that. And if you think rabbits aren't scary, then you clearly have not seen uh, Watership Down. Uh, that... I have not. Watership Down? Yeah, it's an old, uh, it's based on a book that I read as a kid. And I remember uh, deciding. I mean, oh, I should watch this animated movie from the 70s. And uh, it's, it, it's going to me as a kid. Well, I guess that means that'll be our next film to review. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so we can see how, how you really feel about that. But I do get what you mean. You know, you can, with that kind of angle and zooming in and the music, everything, you know, and you saw what happened. You know, the guy, the father... It kind of backfired on him. I thought yeah. he like lost an eye, but but then afterwards I was like, no, he would be yelling in pain. It was just more. the The witch was the rabbit. If you haven't picked that up, and it just kind of the smoke kind of just backfired on the father before he was trying to kill him. He was hunting a rabbit for food. If you, if we didn't say that, but um, 
but I know what you mean, you know, so those kind of things you like you can make anything scary so it's good cinematography with that especially with the goat too but goats do look mean i mean if you even look at them they're cute but they do look mean that is true so that probably was not that hard to do i don't know if you remember the was it charlie the black goat there after the father had put them in the barn he he locked them in there and then thomason asked the the his brother her brother and sister does the goat really talk to you and then they were silent. Then the ghost just sitting there watch, looking at her. Yeah. You know, so uh, it's like, And okay. with the uh, two younger um, children, mm-hmm. you see them, you know, like, obviously, like, talking to the goat. And, you know, like, uh, goats on... And it is, like, really interesting how the goat is... Uh, famed, like, uh, especially, you know, like, it's there, but it's kind of observing, like, everything that's happening, and you're wondering, okay, is this, like, are you looking at it as an outsider, or are you looking at these events and causing them to some extent. Yeah, that's, yeah. I, yeah, I can see that in that in that aspect. I didn't think of it that way, but yes, that's a good point. I like that. Um, and like with the children, see, I didn't get that the children, I thought they were, that, you know, that the goat was speaking to them. I didn't get that until Thomason, you know, Thomason, the daughter, she was being mm-hmm. accused of being a witch, even though she wasn't. She became one at the end, but she wasn't throughout the film. She was accused of being a witch, and then, you know, she she said that her brother and sister were talking to a goat, and and she was defending herself. But I was like, oh, so there is something with this goat. I don't yeah. I don't get what it was, but until the end, um, you guys, you know, I said spoiler. So at the end, you find out the goat was actually the devil. Yeah, is that right? Yeah. So, so you've seen Hereditary, right? Yes. Now this is spoilers, so if you guys don't want to, hear, if you haven't seen Hereditary, then I'm going to talk about a spoiler on Hereditary. If you want to skip this, like for five minutes, go ahead. But I'm going to see. I'm going to talk about a comparison I noticed on Hereditary. So in the movie Hereditary, the boy at the end, the son, his whole family had passed, and he was left at the end, and then joined this cult at the end of the film. Yeah. So I kind of found that as well in this film because Thomason. Her whole family died, and at the end, she was left alone. And I, from my understanding, I think that's what his plan was. He wanted to rid the family because he wanted her yeah. to be a witch. So at the end, she did join, you know, this group of coven witches and everything. So I found that kind of weird comparison between both films. Now, obviously, they weren't directed by the same person, but I was like, oh, okay, they got out of this, you know. It, I don't know if that that wasn't a coincidence or whatnot, but I just noticed that kind of similarity. Yeah. Which I thought at which is always so interesting, you know. You have these innocent children, and all of a sudden, at the end, they <laughs> join these evil cults. So and that's the end of that spoiler for that. Yeah. What? But um, I kind of I wasn't sure what the the ending though. What did you think of it? I thought that the ending was uh, interesting when you kind of have. Uh, the um, when you have uh, Thomason going uh, from you know like light to the dark, uh, and you know like in a way like this could be kind of interpreted as almost a coming of age story, where she's trying to figure out kind of who she is. In a sense. So, so I guess the question is, so, like, if you think about her as a character or whatnot, you know, she sees what all this, what happened to her family and everything. Do you think, I guess, why do you think she wanted to talk to a girl? I mean, like, if you think about it, a girl just lost her family, hmm. all dead and everything, you know, from being cursed and everything. If you had to think about it, why do you think Thomason would have joined the coven or decided to talk to the goat and see what happened? Yeah, I think that she was looking for answers, mm-hmm. and you no, know, like uh, the 
I think she realized from the beginning, like, it was uh, the goat. And, you know, like, uh, see, it's like the power that the goat has. Uh, and who saved her from uh, William. Uh, and, you know, like, she wanted to know why. I think that she wanted answers. And then at that young age, you know, someone, you know, the devil offered her a new world, you know, new things in her life. So, and she was by herself and everything. So she, I can see that. It's just, like I said, I just wonder, you know, someone else, you know, you see all this stuff happening to your family. Yeah. Kind of interesting take to, you know, say, um, to join what that evil that happened to your family. So I thought that was an interesting twist. But I, you know, like I said, that didn't ruin the movie for me, the ending. It was just it was it was a little unexpected because I wasn't sure what to happen, but that that didn't ruin it for me. Were you expecting when you were watching it to see more of the witch? I when I first watched this, I was uh, expecting to see a little bit more, mm-hmm. and at the time, I didn't really appreciate like slow build psychological horror right. as much as I do now. So I was maybe a little bit more disappointed, uh, but you know, like kind of rewatching it in a different mindset. Mm-hmm. I think that you know, like the witch was in it for like kind of the right amount. Mm-hmm. Uh, on screen, but uh, she has a presence always on screen, even if you never see her uh, through what's happening with the story, what's happening with the characters. Right, yes. And technically, like uh, what I said before, you know, the witch is throughout the film, just in different forms, you know. She was also the, the, the seductress for Caleb, in that scene, um, when he, uh, yeah, when uh, when when she when she seduced him and kissed him and whatnot. So, and speaking of that that part, um, what did you well, what did you think of his whole storyline? Because at the end, if you get well, like I said, spoilers. At the end, he he died, but I think he, you know, he was uh, chanting his love for Christ and everything else. So. But what did you think of his whole possession? I thought that uh, to Harvey Scrimshaw, a great job. Uh, That possession scenes are not that easy to do. And I think he really sold it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, no, like, I... And, no, like, to me, like, kind of the way that it was uh, shot was interesting because, and this goes for like the whole film in general. Mm-hmm. There isn't a lot of like artificial studio light. Right. It's all natural light. Natural light. And yes. you have uh, candles, uh, like for nighttime scenes, lanterns, uh, and you know, like you seeing like kind of this natural light. Uh, pulling in through the possession, uh, and when you see him like chanting his love for Christ, uh, the scene is a lot lighter, like almost as if he's ascending to heaven in a sense, mm-hmm. uh, because he's right. dying. So I just thought that that aspect was done beautifully. Yes, I. I agree. He um did a very you did a very good job on it. I was because I what he was chanting and everything. It was not I don't know what to say it was gibberish, but I thought I was you know I was listening to what he was saying and everything. I thought they may have I don't want to say a point to it. I mean, it, but he was you know being possessed and everything. Yeah. So a lot of it you know I wasn't sure. I thought they might come back later to figure out what he was saying, but it was just mainly you know chanting and that kind of stuff. Um, so. But I think he did a great job, and I wasn't, and I couldn't figure out why 
you know, when when all these when everybody was dying and everything, I wasn't sure where it was going. But like I said, it went back to just kind of leaving Thomas in by herself. Yeah, you know, because she because the devil wanted her to be part of the coven, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I guess I'm curious. I'm I'm trying to figure out what happened to the two to the brother and sister, the younger ones. Yeah, because they disappeared. If you know, after the father locked them up, then the witch ended up being in the, that that farm with them. The yeah. barn, the barn, I should say, um, and then all of a sudden, you know, she's she was drinking the goat's blood, <laughs> and yeah. then all of a sudden she turned around, and then, and also in that scene, that's when uh, the, what's his name, uh, Caleb and the baby came back. They were distracting the mother. Yeah, and she was yeah, so she was being distracted by that, and that happened. But I was, I guess, I was just curious why they didn't do anything with the two younger children. They just disappeared. I... I think that, uh, you know, like, they're kind of the ones observing all this uh, and, you know, like, in some cases taking the blame. I think that, you know, like, the witch probably uh, sacrificed them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, like, I feel that there has to be some type of... Because there are a lot of, like, because this is, you know, like, 1630s, mm-hmm. uh, New World, you know, there are a lot of religious overtones in this film. And right. I think that their sacrifice maybe uh, parallels uh, something from the New Testament, uh, which I, again, I have... I'm not an expert in uh, religious bands. I, this is just uh, guesswork. Mm-hmm. I guess, yeah, I see what you mean. I guess if you, no, I'm I'm in the same boat with you. So I, yeah, that's that would probably require you know lo- looking more more into it. You know, delving more deep into that. So yeah, that probably has a point on there. What did you think of? Well, let me see. So now that you realize it wasn't cranberries, um, that, that was being mashed up yeah. in there. You're <laughs> never going to let me live that down, are you? No, it's not that. It's just it's just funny that you just now discover that. So <laughs> just like your face. If you guys you guys didn't see his face, he was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> um, but you, I have to admit, I there wasn't that many. I guess I want to say there wasn't that many gruesome parts, you know, which I kind of appreciated because it didn't really need that either. No. You know? So like a lot of films would have and everything, it was because it didn't need it. I don't think adding more would have taken away from it or adding less would have taken away from it. So so like I said, they did a good job with that. And, and, you know, and I keep thinking about the end, about Thomason, you know, joining the the witch's coven and everything else of yeah. that nature. And I was wondering if it also had part of to be with, you know, she wanted to have this sort of freedom too, because, mm. you know, she was part of this, you know, family who betrayed her as well. And then, you know, she liked being part of the community at the beginning, I believe, when they yeah. were outcasts. So she hated that. So now that she was by herself, she wanted to be part of another one, but it's kind of like a, I don't want to say an Adam and Eve thing, you know, yeah. where, you know, she bites the apple and, you know, this the snake seduces her with this fresh fruit. And it's kind of like that. I kind of drew that comparison a little bit. Yeah. And speaking of uh, apples, one of the oh. things I know is uh, Caleb during his possession uh, uh, spits out a small uh, apple that's uh, covered with blood. And you no, know, like it's just when you mentioned apples, that was my first thought. Yes, uh, and we promised that was not a segue into it. It was just a random yeah. thing I I just mentioned. But yes, I believe you know, if you think about that that connection, I think he if I I may be mistaken, but you know he during the possession that apple popped out of his mouth because he told a lie to his mother when she hmm. asked what why her and why him and his father were out in the woods. He said he spotted an apple tree, which he did. And because they weren't supposed to go out in the woods, that would upset the mother. Yeah. So, you know, when he lied about that, then all of a sudden when he was possessed and they 
tried to open his jaw, the apples came out of his mouth full of blood. Was, hmm. am, I, am I wrong with that? Why that happened? Uh, Did you have a different th- take on that? No, I think uh, uh, right. Okay, yeah. So that was just, so like, and like I said, this film was seemed like it was very sin heavy, you know. Yeah. So, but in, I think because of them, that's what they thought it was. But I, well, I, I mean, when I say them, the characters. But I'm wondering if, like, if it was actually because of the sins or this devil and the witch acted upon that to make yeah. them think it was because of sins. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's uh, definitely a really good insight. Personally, I like to think that, uh, you know, this is drawn from, you know, and it literally says at the beginning of the f- film, a New England folktale. Right. Uh, no, so with folk tales, they're open to interpretation, mm-hmm. and you now like what we've done like along this podcast is you now like with this film in particular is a lot of guesswork. Yes. Uh, so you know, like I guess with like folk tales, you have fables that teach lessons. You know, like so I could see this as uh this happening to this family as uh for them paying for their sins right so yeah exactly so and like you say you take it's interpretation i was like i was wondering if it was actual sins or because everybody sins yeah. something this was an opportunity for the evil to come in and make them think that's what it was but because even and it was so like you said, just interpretation. But I, um, I like I like that part of it too. I just you know because that I, I, a lot of times me I don't pick something up until afterwards. Yeah. Unless I see it again and again, or I look online and read at it. But I got the the sin thing was pretty kind. Of, it was kind of obvious to me. I don't know why, but um, that that was I think I just liked that added aspect to the story of it. So as far yeah, but other than that, I um. I was thinking about everything, anything else that I saw over there, but no, it, from what I saw, like, like I said, I give it three out of five, maybe a three point five out of five. Yeah, like I said just because of the you know authenticity of it that it was trying to appeal and everything. So I was sure. I, I know. Um, I was also looking it up. You know, I told you before why I was called the the two V's. You know. Yeah. And why everybody keeps calling it the Vivich. <laughs> no, <laughs> some people seem to, and you know, it was funny. I was searching. I actually searched for as V V I T C H, and it always comes up. And even with the soundtrack, so I was like, okay. So I don't. I, I but I couldn't find out if the director knew that might have happened. People started calling it the Vivich, or I couldn't find where he said that he was expecting that or not. So maybe he didn't think that that would be a thing, or maybe he did. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I have no idea. But anyway, on that point. So, um, but the, yeah, the whole story, like I said, the storyline I I liked, uh, yeah, it was good for me. I said 3.5 out of 5. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like for me, now I can like appreciate psychological horror a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this film is a masterpiece in, uh, Building tension, uh, with these like lawn takes in natural lighting. Sometimes it's still, sometimes it's moving, but it puts the emotions of the characters first. This is a lot like a uh, play in a way, you know, like kind of like the Crucible, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, which is you know played by Arthur Miller, mm-hmm. uh, that takes place in during the Salem Witch Trials. Uh, in the sense, and I'm comparing these two because, you know, like, they both put, like, the emotions of the characters on screen, and it's brutal, uh, it's difficult to watch, but you can't look away. So I'm going to... Uh, Agree with you and get this uh, three point five out of five now. Yeah. See there. Yeah. And see now you should have said spoiler alert about the crucible. 
Oh. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no. But yeah, no. So if you guys, yes, check out The Crucible. That's also a good film. Yes, I, I get that that comparison too. I, I don't know why that didn't come to me, but yes, that's a, that's a good comparison happening with that as well on there. Uh, but um, yeah, so, but no, other than that, great, uh, yeah, good film. Yeah. I'm cool with it. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, uh, I have so... to check out, um, see what other horror films that A24 is coming out with. But um, Oh, yeah. Maybe we could talk about more of that. But as far as next week, we're going back into the Star Wars era. Yes, we Uh, we are tackling... uh, So for those of you who don't know, uh, we... And because Episode Nine is coming out, uh, this is the end of the Skywalker saga. Uh, And George Lucas had planned for, like, kind of nine movies as his overall vision. Uh, and so next week we're uh, delving into episode two, uh, Attack of the Clones. Right. Now, like I said, I have seen the trailer. I mentioned this last time. I'm not sure. I still don't know what this film will be about. I have to look it up like the plot. All I see is lasers and fighter jets and whatnot. So, <laughs> But I, I guess I want to ask you, this movie is... How should I say? Was this crucial to the whole trilogy? Uh, I would say so. In your opinion, uh, I'm trying to think how to say this without delving into spoilers. Uh, but I would say that uh, there are things in this film that uh we'll be talking about next week mm-hmm. that uh kind of builds uh to to the end of the trilogy okay uh no like just like small things small things gotcha okay uh, in case you guys don't know i have not seen episode one or two so this is my good reason to see it i have seen three uh so and i don't know why i saw it i, I just saw it just to see it but so I'll, I'll remember that but i'll see it again but yeah so but i've been getting on the Star Wars bandwagon. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know if there's a term for Star Wars fans. So, is there a term? Uh, Are we Star, Warni- Star Warnians? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I think just uh, Star Wars fans. fans. Okay. Maybe that I'll start that. If you guys listen to this, start a hashtag, Star Warnians. See if that... <laughs> <laughs> see if that uh, that uh, that builds up to something, but yeah. So that's the film we're going to see after that, after and then we'll next week we'll let you know what film is after that. Maybe another horror film. Who knows? We'll, yeah. we'll we'll pick from there. But other than that, if you guys you, if you guys know us and want to let us know what you think about the film, please do. And we thank you again for listening to the podcast. So we're gonna have to close it up because we try to keep this under an hour. Yeah. But other than that, uh, did you have any last minute remarks for the film? Uh, just that, uh, please check out A24's, uh, filmography. Uh, they are incredible and, uh, support independent film. I fully endorse that myself. But other than that, thank you guys again for listening. We appreciate it. Again, my name is Morgan Gore, DJ Mogo. And I'm, uh, Tommy Taylor, DJ Tomcat. And this has been Movie Mayhem. We'll catch you guys next week. Yep. Catch you on the flip side. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Thank you.